Well, good evening, everyone. No, I am not Tony uh, Cloud, but I'm subbing in for him tonight, and hopefully he'll be back with us next Wednesday night. Um, glad to have you all, the few that are here in, here in the building, and uh, those that are online especially. Thank you for showing up during this midweek uh, study. Anytime we get together to study God's Word, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I was just talking to one of our brothers that meets with us on Thursday nights uh, down from the lower 48. And the story he was telling me today about how just six to eight months ago, how he was not doing well in the Lord. He was finding himself just far away. And the time that he's been spending with us on Thursday nights and um, getting into God's word throughout the day, every day, and being reminded of some things, he, he said, God is so amazing and what he can do in our lives and what he's done in his life. And um, I know we all, when we truly look to God for the answers, for all things that, that go on in our lives, we can say the same thing. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God in heaven, we are so grateful to you for allowing us to be here this evening to study and share your word with one another. Help us, Lord, as we go into this study to understand just a little bit better how we are to serve you and honor you and just love you, Lord. Please be with those that are sick and those who have lost loved ones, those who, Lord, are just looking for the answers for life. Help us all, all of us, to turn to you, for the answer is always you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's uh, lesson, as you see on the board, is trusting God's uh, providence. And this is a lesson that I, I shared with the men one Thursday night, and I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about it tonight, especially since um, we were reminded on Sunday, James, I didn't remember either, that, uh, well, Sunday, when we, Lord, when we see each other, it'll be another year. We'll be in the, the, the future is coming, right, Lord willing. So uh, I thought it would be great if we talk about trusting God's providence. So as we think about the activity of God, you know, the things that God does in the lives of his people today. As we read the Old Testament, we see all the things that God did in the lives of his people and in the world. And also when we read in the New Testament, we, we have the examples and we read stories about what God has done. The question is, what is he doing today? Well, there are people who vary from one end of the spectrum to the other on this subject. Some believe that God is still working miracles today, still doing miraculous things in the lives of his people. But 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, and Ephesians chapter 4, and Acts chapter 8, and other scripture convey the notion that miracles had a place in God's handiwork at a time. But God's activity with man was going to change. On the other side, there are people who, are, who say God is not doing anything. There are these folks out there that say that God created the world. He wound it up. He wound it all up and then set it in motion and forgot about it. Neither one of these extremes is true. Some believe that God's hand is in every, is in every single thing that happens here on this earth. And some believe that he is involved with nothing on this earth. Well, 
as in all things, and as Tony often reminds us, let the, let's let the Bible answer that for us. Let's see what the Bible says about um, God and what he's doing in the lives of his people today. Turn over to Romans chapter 8, what you see on the screen there, in verse 28. Romans eight twenty eight, the scripture there says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Tonight we're going to see five things about God's providence. Now I ask you, I already know the answer to this. But did any of you all and did you see 2020 coming? I mean, sure, when we were all counting down in 2019 and we saw 2020 come, I don't know if you remember, it was a, it was a snowstorm here that very night or very morning. But what I'm talking about is, did we see all the issues and all the problems and challenges that we were going to have to face, that we are facing right now, way back on January 1st. Nope, we didn't. Well, it's important for us to see providence the way God sees it. Because, see, God provides even through it all. Romans 8, verse 28 starts with, and we know. See, we can know the certainty of God's providence. We can know it because providence involves God's active preservation and care over his creation. You see, another way to say it is, is God working through natural means to continue to care for and oversee or operate within his creation. So his creation, us, might fulfill the purpose for which he created those things. God's providence is still at work. And scripture says, we can know. We can know that. My question is, do you know that? See, we, we know that God is both the creator, according to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's also the sustainer of all things. Hebrews 1, 1 and 3 is, through three says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. I have highlighted there, majesty on high, excuse me, highlighted there, upholding all things by the word of his power. It is God that is upholding all of us by, by his word. I often think about um, a story that was told by a preacher some time ago that I listened to. 
He said, you know, when God made Adam and when he formed him, the scripture says he, some, some of your versions say he breathed a soul or he breathed life into his nostrils. Do you realize he breathed that one time? Look at all of us now. We're here. It is God, by God's power, by power of his word as well. <clears throat> Colossians 1.17. And he was before all things, and in him things, all things consist. For in him we live and move and have our being, Acts 14.28. Uh, it should be Acts 17.28 there, um, tells us. In God, all things are held together. And we have the fullness of this knowledge because we have seen it. If you look at <clears throat> Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. In all the life or all the time that David lived, he tells us that I have been young and now I am, I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He's saying all his life, he's never seen God give up on his people. He's never seen God not take care of his people. Even when we read in the Old Testament about the famines that have happened there, we can understand that God continued to keep taking care of them. Now, when I talk about that we have this fullness of knowledge that we know, when you look at John 8.32, right quick. It's not going to be on the screen for you. I'll read it right quick for you. And John 8.32. The scripture there says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In that verse, it is talking about a progressive term. Something that we eventually get to, you know, as we continue to study God's word, as we continue to trust in him, we'll have a knowledge that will come, um, that we'll, we'll eventually learn. But in the scriptures that we have just read, we need to understand, and the ones that we're getting ready to read, is that we know, we know this because it's in our being. It's not something that we have to come to terms with. It's because we can know it. We, we know it within our being according to God's word. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, and this here is because we've been told, we've been told about um, the fullness of knowledge or fullness of knowing that God will continue to keep taking care of us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You see, we need to understand that God keeps his promises. You can read that in Joshua 21, 45 and Joshua 23, 14. But also... You can see in the other scriptures there I have listed that God does not lie. God cannot and he will not lie. I'm saying that because the scripture that we are reading keeps telling us over and over, God is not going to leave us. God is going to take care of us. God has promised these things to us. Do we know it? Do we believe it? Do we understand it? 
Another thing that we can understand about God's providence is that it's not just having a certainty of his providence, as we read in Romans 8, 28, but <clears throat> the specificity of it. But those who love God and are called. You see, there is a very special place uh, when it comes to God's people. And there are two ways to think about this. One is, <clears throat> in general, God's going to take care of everybody. And then have we found that to be true? Has God, does God take care of people today? Look at uh, Matthew chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 45. It says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and, the, uh, and on the unjust. So the sun comes up on everybody. Did you see the sun today? I did. I was sitting at the computer and all of a sudden just came over the mountain and it's like, wow, you know, haven't seen the sun in a few days. I wasn't the only one that benefited from that. I am sure I was not. And when it snows here, when it rains here, it rains and snows on everyone. But you know, that's not what Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 28 is talking about. Another scripture we can look at to see how God takes care of everyone is in Deuteronomy ten fourteen. But as you read these, you need to understand that that's not what, what scripture in Romans chapter 8 is talking about. God's special providence is toward his children. Those who love God are those who keep his commandments. Scriptures that we're going to look at will hopefully show you that. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. I mean, you're all seeing a the theme here. I mean, it's all together. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. So when we, we go back to Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And that's where people stop. That's where they stop. Who loves God? Scripture says those who keep his commandments. Who determines what love God means? God does. God determines that. I was sharing this this example with the men, so it may sound familiar to some of you, but as you were raising your kids, or if you don't have any kids, when you were a child, put yourself in this place as well. But as you were raising your, your kids, who had lots of friends, I don't know if this was your house, it was not my house, because my mom wasn't letting all the whole neighborhood in my house, but uh, were, were you one of those families that all the kids were at your house and that your mom and dad would provide cookies and snacks and stuff to to everyone in the house right but you knew you knew those little you know little snacks that those little one dollar snacks that she or he was giving to your friends was a whole lot different when they left and they opened up the cupboard and there was those five dollar snacks that were for you and your siblings only. Because you were special, right? You were their child. 
they took they took care of everybody else, but you know they had something special um, for you. Well, I don't want to reduce God to giving us five dollar snacks, but I, as an example, those who are called have been set apart, and that's what I'm getting at. You you set your 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 children apart from those other kids, and those who are set up, um, <clears throat> who are called have been set apart. When we look at Romans 1 and 7, through obedience to the gospel, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. Well, God's special providence is limited to his special people. Well, what if I don't, what if I don't love God? What if I just want to live in this earth and, and live like I want to and I don't have to love him, do I, for him to take care of me, do I? Well, John fourteen twenty four says, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. Um, give me the, give me Jesus, but don't give me the church. I heard that today. So you love Jesus, but you don't, you don't want to follow what Jesus said for us to do. And you say, I don't love, I don't have to love God, but I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Well, Jesus said, well, I do what God tells me to do. My father tells me to do. So you should do what I do. If you, if you love me, then you, I mean, it's kind of contradictory, right? How can you love Jesus but not love God when they're one and, and the same? Jesus also says that, but that the world may know that I love the father and as the father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. If you want to be like Jesus, keep God's commandments. Because Jesus did. Jesus kept his commandments. God's special providence is limited to his special people, his faithful children. We're called to be saints. We're set apart. John 15, 1 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 lets us know that we need to be obedient to the gospel. Part of keeping his commandments. It's all part of keeping uh, Jesus' commandments, God's commandments. And again, we are different. I have listed there, we're chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, the called out. I don't know how many different ways it had to be said for us to get it, but obviously it had to be said so many different ways for us to understand it. That we are different and we we should act differently and we should understand that we are going to be different. And that God's going to treat us just a little differently than he does the rest of the world. In Romans eight twenty-eight, we can see the providence of God. And we have certainty that we can know that this is real. <coughs> Excuse me. This is real, his providence, that is. You can also see the specificity, and not just that he provides for everyone, but to us in a special way, just as we read in First Peter 2, 9, because we are different, we are set apart. We can also see, though, the capacity uh, of God's providence in all things, Romans 8, 28 again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things. How much can God handle? And I asked this, and I asked this on that Thursday night when we were talking, and I continue to keep asking it. I asked it of myself. I have to ask myself every day. Because we doubt God. We, we, we can say we don't. But there are times when we doubt God. And we ask God for what, you know, God knows what we need, right? But we ask God for our needs and our wants. And we have troubles in our lives. And I don't know, God. I don't know if he can handle this. Because it's so big. COVID is so big. Racism is so big. The problems in our country, in the world, is so big. I don't think God can... All things, the scripture says. All things were made through him. He who built all things is God. He is before all things and all things, excuse me, in him all things consist. Upholding all things by the word of his power. What can God handle? What are the things that he can handle? What in this world can he handle? What in those those uh, principalities and, and, and those the, the, the world that we can't even see, what can he handle? What can he handle? He gives to all life, breath, and all things. Think about all the problems or challenges you have and consider everyone else that may be here or online or somewhere off in the distant on a distant island. Can God handle your problems? And their problems as well. Romans 8.28 again tells us all things. Did Paul really mean all things when he wrote that? Was God exaggerating? Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. For of him and through him and to him are all things. Is there any doubt still that God can handle all things? And if so, for whom all things and by whom all, all things? Hebrews 2.10 tells us. How should we not with him also freely give us all things? God knows all things. Him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I know it may seem like this is, this is such overkill. But then we wake up in the morning, if God allows us to, and we worry about our day and the things that are going on. And, and we wonder, can, I don't know how, how can I get through this? I don't know if God can do this for me or that he wants to do it for me. I, I just, I feel, I feel so lost and I, I pray to God, but I, I still think there's something I can do. Scripture tells us that with God, all things are possible. Scripture is are filled with this. All things. This is all things that God can handle. At a comparison with all these verses here, does God really mean all things in Romans 8.28? Yes, he does. All things. When we think about God handling all things, we have to Trust him. We say we love God. 
but do we trust him? Here's some truths that we need to realize and that we need to accept. Two of them that are hard to swallow sometimes. We talked about this in our class. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. But I love God. I'm his saint. I'm his child. I'm, why is this happening to me? Because bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Things happen. Job 1.8 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? Scripture says he was blameless. He was upright. And he feared God. And he shunned evil. Yet we know a lot of bad things happen to Job. Not everything that happens is for a reason. And I know that's kind of weird to hear. And I don't mean that there aren't reasons that things happen. You know, if I throw this on the floor, how did it get on the floor? Because I threw it down there. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying that the Bible does not teach us that everything happens for a reason, for some deep down mystical cosmic spiritual reason. We need to be careful what we say to others when tragedy strikes. And we say things happen for a reason. The Bible does not support this. And this is a, this is a hard truth. You know, things happen in our lives due to I'll say maybe four things here. Chance of life. Ecclesiastes 9-11. The time and chance happened to them all. See what the scripture says there? It said it doesn't matter if you are wise or if you're strong. If you have lots of money. Things happen to us all. Time and chance happen uh, to us all. If you are watching tonight and you're a student and you didn't do your schoolwork, are there going to be consequences that happen because you didn't do your schoolwork? Sometimes, before I get to that, sometimes just uh, have, think, some things happen by chance. Now I'll get to the schoolwork here in a bit, just jumping ahead of myself a little bit. But why did you, if you had car trouble today, why did you have car trouble? Is it because God was somehow reaching down and stopping your car from working because he had a reason to stop your car right there on the side of the road so that something cosmic could happen to you? And I'm not trying to be facetious. I hear this stuff a lot at work. Like, well, God made this happen. People attribute things to God. You know, you had car trouble because you had a car. If you didn't have a car, you wouldn't have car trouble. We're all going to have some type of car trouble. We hate car trouble, don't we? Especially during this time of the year because nobody wants to get out of their car to fix the trouble. Uh, it's, it's too cold for that. At least for me it is. You know what? Sometimes accident, accidents happen. I had an accident a few weeks ago. It was my fault. Thankfully, 
the lady was like, oh, well, there's no, there's no dents in my car, so everything's fine. You got a little dent in your car, but my car, fine. She went on about her way. I was happy about that. I was able to fix that my, myself, thankfully, but, um, that didn't happen because it was something, there was no, like, cosmic reason for that. It happened because I looked both ways. I did not see her and I ran into her. And that was that. Well, Sometimes, though, as I was, I was getting at, sometimes some things happen to us because we choose, we have choices that we make. You know, we make choices in our lives that cause some things to happen. About life or death situations, or following someone that we shouldn't, or, and this might sting a little bit, hanging around the wrong people, wicked friends, wrong, uh, wrong people to be, evil communications corrupt good morals you know bad friends will will influence you in such a way it'll bring you down it'll cause you to stop following God now I was talking about schoolwork what if you don't do your schoolwork are there going to be consequences what if I sat at work every day and played Candy Crush on my phone I'm not saying I do that played Candy Crush on my phone in my office, nobody would know because I have my own office and I just sat there and played it all day because it's so addicting. Do you think there are going to be some consequences for me? Yeah. There's fornication, there's adultery, there's drinking alcohol, there's doing drugs. These are all choices that we're making. Do they have consequences? That's a choice I made. So if things happen, that's the reason why they happen because I made a choice to go and do those are all choices of self there's no godly reason for it what about you know the conniving of the devil but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceive Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ you see Satan is crafty we need to go ahead and, and, and give him that credit because scripture tells us that as well. But because we know that we should be watchful for him. We should know what he's going to do, right? If you were Satan, well, how would you get you? Psalms uh, <clears throat> 139.5 says, You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. We We have God who has compassion on us. Sometimes that's why things happen. Because God is blessing us. You know, God has compassion upon us. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. No matter what things happen in our lives, we need to understand that God can handle all things and that nothing can happen to a faithful Christian that is beyond God's power to produce a blessing. I have highlighted right there death. Sometimes people think that death can stop the love of Christ for us. I was thinking about when I was writing this, uh, writing this down and, uh, Something that our brother, my schoolmaker, has said during a class. He said, you know, <clears throat> when we pray about something for someone, say I'm praying for James, which I did tonight because I was concerned about you, brother, because I hadn't heard from you. 
But say I was praying for James and for something for him, that God would bless him in a way. And then I died rather than after that prayer. Is that going to stop God from blessing James? Because, well, I died, so that nulls and voids the prayer. No, because God has great compassion upon us, and he's able to do all things. Well, we can know with certainty that God's providence is still at work today. That is specific and has great capacity for all things. I want to know, can you build your faith off of this? Can you trust God to take care of all things in your life? Romans 8.28 also shows us that, you know, the activity of God's providence is, is working together. The Greek word here that's used here is the word synergy. It's a combined action or interaction. And God's, the way God's providence works is that God takes some over here that's happening and maybe this over here and he works them together. Well, when we, what I want us to see as we go through the scriptures here, <clears throat> the word indicates that a result may not be quickly or immediately produced. We may ask, why isn't God doing anything right now for me? Well, how do you know he's not doing anything if something bad is happening in your life? It's important to remember that God does not cause all things to happen. And God can take all things that happen and work them together for good. The thing is, as I've highlighted there on the screen, is that we have to wait on him. We, we may not see, we may not see it happening. I was thinking about a, a story that I told the, the men and, and, won't have time tonight to, to really go through it, but maybe, maybe we will. But I was thinking about how my grandmother, my grandmother watched my mom's mom would, um, make me eat <laughs> a, a tablespoon or a teaspoon of baking soda and a cup of butter. Sit me down and eat that. And you know, a cup of white sugar and a cup of brown sugar. And even though brown sugar is moist, I don't know. All of this I've already eaten is, <clears throat> kind of dry. I got my throat going right now. And cracked two eggs and had me eat that and two teaspoons of vanilla and a half a um, teaspoon of salt with three cups of flour and one cup of walnuts. And then she thought it would be great if she had me wash it down with two tablespoons of hot water and then for dessert gave me two cups of chocolate chips. What I'm getting at <clears throat> is that when you mix them all together and you put those in the oven and they come out as those nice chocolate chip cookies, taste so good, don't they? See, the th thing is, is when, what I'm trying to get at is when we're waiting on the Lord, sometimes it's hard to swallow each individual ingredient or, or the things that are happening in your life. But when those things work together, they come out so beautifully the way God wants them to. God takes this action, this, this interaction, and combines them and works them together for good. Some believe, though, um, <clears throat> that we shouldn't wait on the Lord and that we don't have to wait on the Lord because he's predestined us to do certain things. Scripture tells us over and over to wait on the Lord. 
wait, hope, and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Everything that happens in our lives, they say, instead of waiting on God, because we don't need to, it's predestined. Everything that happens. And I, my, my wife and kids are watching right now, and they know I don't like to walk around in the house without any shoes on. Because I'm so scared that I'm going to step on something and hurt my feet. Stub my toe. And I do stub my toe sometimes. You're going to tell me that, that that was predestined for me. God had a purpose for me to stub my toe at that time. I, I don't I don't think so. Uh or or maybe I bring you a plate of chicken or, or food, you know, something. Oh, I made this and I'm going to bring it to you. Or some macaroni and cheese. So because I know you like that. Here you go, brother James. It was predestined. that was predestined. But they say everything's predestined, so I I believe like my brother James that we are predestined to go to heaven if we follow God's word, if we are, are faithful children of God. And God has prepared a place for us. He's saying, This is I what I have for you if you keep my commandments. The things that happen in our lives and the blessings that come after, we need to see that it may take time to see how God is working it. Well, <clears throat> in those times when we think God is not at work in our lives, remember that God is not our, on our time frame and that God's clock is always right. You ever have your watch or your clock wrong sometimes, you know? And you have to go and fix it. God never has to fix his. He's always on time. The last thing that I want us to see is in God's providence is the guarantee of it. It says there in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. The good <clears throat> that comes comes is the ultimate good. And it is defined by God. Good, this good that I'm talking about is God has defined that, not man. Because if we were defining good, you probably talk about those chocolate chip cookies I just talked about or some macaroni and cheese or the chicken that I just talked Because those all sound great. Those sound good. I haven't eaten yet tonight. So those, those all sound good right now. But God's definition is different. What would um, what would God say good is? Some of you are thinking about other things right now too. Maybe good people, or maybe a good show. We may suffer now in order to partake in a true glory, and that's still a good thing. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We may suffer now, but joy can come can and will come, according to Psalm 30, verse 5. Verse there says that the weeping may endure for a night. The problems that we have in our lives may be, they're going to be temporary. But joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. We, we need to trust that God's good is better than, than our good. <clears throat> this is a prayer that we could or a part of our prayer, uh, part of something that we can add to our prayer. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And 
from the time that I spoke on this before and even now, has been part of my prayer now. Because I don't know what the future holds uh, for me and the family, other than we want to stay here in Alaska. And I'm thinking about future, like, retirement from the military. And I don't know what that holds, but I do know that, I do know that God is there. And that God will provide. So my prayer is, God, whatever good you have decided, because you mean good for us in our, in our lives as your children, let it be defined by you. And I just trust in you leave it in your hands. Genesis 50, 20 says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. The kids, the young children have been studying Joseph here in the last couple of months. And Joseph is saying, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Can you see in that example? Look at all the years that Joseph went through, all the problems that he had, and look how he turned out. Look how God provided for him the entire time. God meant good for him as well. We'll do better at trusting God's good when we remember we would do better, excuse me, I trust in God's good when we can, when God can see what we cannot see. That God can know that we, what we cannot know. And then God can do what we cannot do. Turn over to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. And we'll close here. Genesis 18, verse 14. Scripture there says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah and Abraham laughed. Because they were old. How are they going to have, how are they going to have some children? She laughed. There's nothing too hard for God. And God meant good for, for, for that to happen. As Isaac did come and, and, well, you know the story. And if you don't, get into your Old Testament, get into your Bible and read, read about it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If God is for us, who can be against us? Tonight we've been talking about providence. If we want to define it easily, a good God working good for his good people according to his definition of good. God's definition, not me calling you good, but how God sees good. I hope that this lesson was an encouragement to you all tonight. And I hope that you can see that as the Lord willing, the new year comes, that God can and does provide and will provide. But we must love him the way scripture tells us to and keep his commandments. I don't know if we'll see tomorrow. I don't even know if we'll see January 1st. But what I do know is that right now God is providing. And we need to be thankful for him and to him for that. Look how he's provided for us right now. Been able to still have a Bible study, uh, stream online, to worship the way we've been worshiping. And trying to continue to keep going on. Because of the things that we we are trying to do and that God is working through us, folks are paying attention. People are saying, I want to be part of that that congregation. We we continue to keep hearing that.
Trust in God and he will provide. He's going to provide anyway, but trust in him and know that he will provide. Thank you for your attendance tonight.